Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Hi, pals. What's the latest? I'm recording one week after a violent, armed, Trump-incited mob stormed our capital with less security pushback than a raw stress for less. Gotta say, hard to come up with something funny while watching the impeachment proceedings. Because nothing I say will be funnier than some of these people calling for unity. Dark comedy has reached its zenith. My god, guys. Pipe bombs, a military veteran cop killed with a fire extinguisher, shit smeared on the walls, Trump telling them I love you on Eric Trump's birthday, with Congress hiding for their lives. The perfect setup and the perfect punchline. Now it's time to heal. <laughs> oh, and the mask slipping under the nose. <laughs> that bit of prop comedy is a mic drop moment. Today's guest is stand-up guy and stand-up guy Blaine Kapach. He's a pro-comic who appeared in the 2007 comedy special, The Comedians of Comedy. He's written for tons of shows, including Matt TV, The Martin Short Show, Web Soup, At Midnight, and various Comedy Central roasts. I saw him for the first time at M-Bar, a now-closed little venue in Hollywood with chandeliers. Hey, whatever distracts you from the food. I loved how Blaine described his chest as the underside of a crab, and this was long before I became an aquatic life aficionado. What's the 411? Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Oliver is Blaine's son. The Scottish-themed Tam O'Shanter is Los Angeles' oldest restaurant. After unbuttoning my pants during a big meat dinner, I totally get why they wear kilts. The Church of the Subgenius was a parody religion started in 1979 with pamphlets circulating in Texas, centered around a prophet whose image was a 1950s salesman smoking a pipe that was literally clip art from the Yellow Pages. Blaine hosted season two of a trivia game show on Comedy Central called Beat the Geeks, featuring a panel of one expert each for TV, music, and film. Vera is Blaine's wife. Her and her sister Barbara are identical twins. They currently host the podcast Datey Ladies, in which they dissect relationship books. Well worth a listen at dateyladies.com. As the Pubel twins, they're a wrestling duo at the Lucha Libre comedy show Blaine hosts in L.A. called Lucha Vavum. I regret to inform you that, unfortunately, it's... As hot as it sounds. Hello? Hello, Blaine. How you doing? I'm wonderful, Renny. How are you? I'm okay. Sorry to take away from your precious Lego time. Oh, no, I'm done. Now I have nothing to do for the rest of the pandemic. Oh, man. Santa should have brought more household hazards for Oliver. <laughs> He's really into Minecraft, so there's lots more square things on the floor. And he has a sword that lights up and swings around and knocks over lamps. <laughs> Is he into yeah. skins? I know Minecraft has skins. No, I think he's just kind of getting into it now. He's got an encyclopedia. He plays it on the Switch, but now he's doing Legos of it and stuff. And right now he's got the yellow headphones on. He's watching a video walkthrough of Luigi's Mansion and eating pizza. It's, he's going to grow up to be president. <laughs> is that how remote learning is going? You know, I think the remote learning is okay, I guess. I'm going to give credit to my teacher. She's really holding it together. I can't imagine having to teach 
seven-year-olds on a Zoom meeting is like taking a bunch of cats to the mall. It's like, hey, yeah. let's get down to things remembered. Hey, no, over here. And then you're <laughs> off. I think it's having to do that and also deal with tech problems. Yeah. yeah it's got to be nightmarish. And so much for the kid that would be quiet in class that needs the teacher who goes the extra mile to try and open them up. Those kids are just gone. They might as well be the son we don't talk about anymore. I can't imagine being at home and being in school. It would just be the worst because it's like my <laughs> toys are right over there. Yeah, and the TV, remote control learning, that's way more fun. You know, they get 10-minute breaks, and he just rushes out and just turns on the TV, or he grabs his Nintendo. He's (laughs) he's so addicted to screens. At the beginning of the pandemic, I think, everybody was like, let kids have their screens. Uh Let them deal with it. But now, you know, it's like smoking an entire pack of cigarettes. Now he's hooked on screens. Well, that might be what the teacher's doing in those 10 minutes, or just screaming, getting some (laughs) fresh air and letting it all out. My kid seems to be doing okay. I hear other kids on the Zoom meetings, and they seem to be doing okay. And then I can hear their parents in the background. (laughs) (laughs) People yelling and people that don't care that their kids are learning. You see, uh, oh, okay, that kid has some fucked up parents. I'm not trying to slam parents, but like every kid is so completely different. And it goes back to what I was saying about the teacher for being able to keep it together. I'm sure there are a lot of teachers who are just like, you know what? I quit. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, not funny. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Renny. Hey, you ever uh, <laughs> fart after you shit? It's like your asshole saying, and stay out. And stay out. That's one of my favorite jokes of yours. Oh, thank God. I didn't want to do a bad one. <laughs> oh, good. Anyway, hey, when do we start? <laughs> What's going on? How's your Sunday, Renny? Oh, you know, I went for a quibby. Is that what we're calling drive through COVID tests? Oh, you're going for a quibby? Yeah, you know, (laughs) a short bit of entertainment. Where was your test? I go to the one. I go to the one. (laughs) You got a favorite? Where's your job? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to go to the one down on Melrose. (laughs) It sounds really commercial, but oh, my God. They really know how to get the swab in there. (laughs) Up and to the left, and then you have to get the pad thai while you're there. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. The pad thai and the upper to the left, they call it the Kennedy. (laughs) The last one I went to was down at Dodger Stadium. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go to a ball game, but here I am. That's too fun for me. I need bleak, so I go to the one at the abandoned. Montgomery Ward in Pacoma. <laughs> Didn't that used to be a Hoshold Cone? A what? Sorry, I'm, I'm dating and localizing myself. Hoshold Cone was mm-hmm. a department store chain. I think it was based in Baltimore. It's yeah. like Gimbel's or Wattenshand or something. It's one of those old-timey department stores. <laughs> Worthing Brotherton's company, Fedco. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to go to the Jewel Court. You guys want to meet me at Newswangers? You know, all these <laughs> things are completely out of business, but they seem like they were hewn in stone when I was a kid. These stores will be here forever. You yeah, know, my mom practically had a Mervyn's tattoo on her ass. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great tramp stamp. <laughs> Mervyn. Especially if your mom married a guy named Mervyn. Woo, that worked out well. Oh, hey, whatever brings back my Mervyn's tramp stamp into relevance, <laughs> I have no choice. Like, you're on Tinder and there's a guy named Mervyn. Well, this is fate. The stars have aligned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, finally, a human female. <laughs> <laughs> what if Mervyn is a really strapping lad? He's, like, really hot. <laughs> You know, my wife is probably going to get mad if I tell this story, but I'm going to tell this story. (laughs) She had an old boyfriend who was Russian. He was a Russian animator. His name was Igor. And in my head, I pictured Igor as like a statue of a guy with a sickle. You know, like one of those hundred foot statues in a wheat field. 
I was like, oh man, this guy Igor, I was really threatened because you know me, I'm a little tiny, <laughs> wavy guy and I'm weird, I have bad skin. I'm pocket-sized. Just like my tips. <laughs> I call them travel size because you can take them with you easily. But please, go ahead. I digress. There's a comedian named Lord Corette, one of my dearest friends, and he always had the greatest line. He said, anything bigger than a handful is a hot fire hazard. <laughs> but I was going to this big function, and her ex was going to be there, and I was so bummed. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be this guy with long red hair. <laughs> and then I met him, and he looked like he was a merch guy for Thomas Dolby. He was this little bald guy with, like, Harold Lloyd glasses. Wow. He's very nice. He's super sweet and a talented guy. But I was like, oh, oh, thank God. He's a dork like me. Oh, no, she has a type. <laughs> Did you buy any stickers from him from the second tour? <laughs> I got a shirt and it was like too tight in the pits. I goodwill yeah. it. <laughs> People that don't match their names, you sometimes give them your own fake name. <laughs> I'm going to call you Jeff with a G. <laughs> You're not a capital not J, a... Jeff. I never liked the name Blaine when I was a little kid. I always thought no? Blaine was a bad name. Yeah, because nobody else had it. And I thought that was kind of weird. Like, oh, these other oh. kids, they have normal names and... I used to want my name to be Alan because I thought Alan was a cool name. It was one of the Osmonds. I think it's the most popular middle name for white guys. I think I've met what, a thousand people with yeah, the middle name was Alan. Yeah, if the middle name is too prominent, then you're a serial killer. <laughs> Girls can do that, you know, like Edna May, Mary yeah. Sue. You know, Mary Sue, my girlfriend from Canada, who's also a pixie dream girl. <laughs> but if it was Blaine oh. Allen, then it'd be like, Blaine Allen was finally found at the <laughs> Magic Johnson movie theater. <laughs> Blaine Allen Kapach was convicted of 15 murders and dismemberments throughout a series of putt-putt golf courses in the Southland. <laughs> Apparently what finally... was crazy was the term Southland. <laughs> Blaine Allen was finally captured by authorities driving through a COVID test at Montgomery Ward in Pacoima. <laughs> oh my God, I thought this was a host of cones! <laughs> yeah, boy, things sure have changed. <laughs> oh my God. That place, I think, went out of business in the 80s. Sorry, I'm so fascinated with Hoshold Cone. I used to work at a record store in the mall in the 80s. And so I looked up pictures of it, and I ended up going down this internet rabbit hole of pictures of malls. Mm -hmm. And I hate to sound like an old guy, Renny. Oh, tell me like, all I remember, it. like, malls weren't <laughs> as homogenized as they are right now. Like, each mall is going to have this store or this store. It was always these yeah. local things, and there was, like, a theme to the mall, and they had fountains and staircases. Yeah, and you had those kiosks where you could make your own cards. I never made my own cards. I built some bears, but they begged me to kill them <laughs> because I brought them to life. I beg for death. <laughs> what did you stuff me with? Uh, <laughs> I love the, there's a Build-A-Bear at the Glendale Gallery, and they always have that stirring thing going through the stuffing. <laughs> it looks like the worst Ew. smoothie, like an asbestos <laughs> smoothie. Build an abomination. How's your Christmas? I'm on the edge here of finding out about your mall experience at the listening station. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go back to the listening booth if you want. Great. It was right across from the Bavarian pretzels and the things remembered. <laughs> next to the Talleyrand, which was like a senior citizen buffet place. We were right next to the Bonton. And this was before CDs. So it was a lot of 45s. There was a lot of vinyl mm -hmm. and some cassettes, I guess. And everything was earth tones because it was just coming out of the 70s. Rad. York, Pennsylvania was like five years later. But I worked there just out of high school. And I met all my friends. Like I met people that I hung out with for years. Oh, Jesus. We had this guy in the back. Mm -hmm. In the back of the store, we had guitars for sale and like weird stereo equipment and boom boxes and stuff. <laughs> but we had this guy in the back named Chris. And he was the guitar guy. 
he was always wearing spandex and he had the crazy long curly hair, total yeah. hair farmer metal dude, like bandoliers of ammunition guy. And he was in this <laughs> band called Cry Tough. FF. Cry Tough. And they had a rivalry with another band in New York, Pennsylvania called Killer Hit. And their fans would rumble and stuff, and they would play, like, competing shows. Was it like a dance battle where they would rock at each other? No, I don't know if they were even friendly competitors. I think it got really <laughs> kind of weird, because York was a hellhole. Uh, <laughs> their logo was a tattoo of a heart that was cracked in the middle with, like, blood dripping out of it. Cry tough. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Chris worked in the back, and he was always really cool. And he was like, oh, I'll talk like this. Oh, you can never see his eyes. Oh. <laughs> and I remember once I was telling him, you know the story about Rod Stewart and the semen, right? <laughs> I lose yeah, track it, of all it, these rockers <laughs> and semen stories. There's so many. Check your Betty Crocker recipe cards. It's on one of those. <laughs> the rumor in the 70s was Rod Stewart rushed to the hospital and they pumped 11 ounces of semen out of his stomach. And I had heard that when I was in high school. This is how old I am. And then mm. the rumor came around again, but it was George Michael because right. Wham, Wham was big. And so I was mm-hmm. telling Chris, I was like, somebody had told me the rumor of George Michael. And I told Chris, I was like, hey, I remember when this rumor was about Rod Stewart. Uh-huh. And he got taken to the hospital with 11 ounces of semen in his stomach. <laughs> and I remember he like kind of looked at me and then he looked away and looked at me and he goes, wow, that's a lot of loads. <laughs> Just a great guy. He's a great guitar player. And then I got yelled at for not putting the 45s in the 45 bin with the sleeves in the right direction. Oh, I love that those rumors just amplify the masculinity of semen. Like, how powerful can it be, guys? Calm down. <laughs> it doesn't defy digestion. You know, if I drank that much soda, I would go to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, if I go to Tam O'Shanner and I have, like, a huge dinner, I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go to sleep. You know, I'm certainly not going to be able to to uh, Baby Jane. <laughs> Sorry, I was just reaching for a Rod Stewart song. <laughs> I was just thinking of going to the hospital for eating too much prime rib at Tamo Center. <laughs> <laughs> we have a code, pink in the middle. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> Gotta get in there and get oh. that wedge salad out of them. Haggis on two. Hey, can I bore you again? I'll tell you another dumb story about steak. And then <laughs> I was working on Blue Collar TV with Jeff Foxworthy, like yeah. cable guy. It was a lot of fun. I had a blast. Those guys are great. We would pre-tape sketches in L.A., and then we would do two or three live weeks back in Atlanta or Athens, because that's where Fox mm. lived. They didn't okay. want to travel. So I was in Athens for two weeks, and one of the producers brought his nephew along as sort of like an assistant PA guy, like the privileged PA, oh, no. but he was supposed to be working. And he was a total beastie boy. He was like, this guy, dude, hell, holy shit, bro. <laughs> he was like that guy all the time. Super fun guy. But he would be running around the set doing stuff with people all day and stuff. Mm-hmm. So at night, his uncle, who was also a very cool, good friend of mine, he would go, hey, we're all going to go out and get some steaks. So every night, <laughs> this 17- or 18-year-old kid was going out with his uncle, and they were eating at the <laughs> best steakhouses in Georgia. And he got <laughs> gout. <laughs> his feet swelled up. And he got feverish. He couldn't stand up. Oh, it was fantastic. He's like, I don't understand what's going on. Whoa. I've got the pink disease. Yeah. It's because all of a sudden you're eating deviled eggs and baked potatoes every night. 
you should be eating pizza like a child. <laughs> he was like useless for the last five days. Well, steak and gout. Domino's shouldn't have gotten that mutton topping. <laughs> I get half mutton and half venison. <laughs> and then a bucket to puke in after. You know what? I love fast food. I actually asked this on Twitter today. Have you ever had a McRib? Yes. Well, when I was a kid and I had no taste. I did love it, but just like you when you were a kid and you wanted a regular name, I wanted regular food, and I thought things like McDonald's and Lunchables were good because the okay. other kids had them, but I didn't know what was what. I knew I wanted to be like the other regular American kids. Sure. I grew up with fast food, so I have a callus for it. Callus. My, it's comfort food to me. And like my father and my oldest brother, but uh, right up until my dad died, they would go out to McDonald's every morning for breakfast. Every morning. Wow. And I'm like, I like McDonald's. I really do, but I don't know if I can. Yeah, it's tolerance. <laughs> going to wake up. Oh my God, my feet. Look at my feet, bro. They look like two balloons and my feet are in a big <laughs> falling gong, for God's sake. Whoa. <laughs> I got McRib ribs. I've never had one. Mm. Every time I'm tempted to get it, but whenever I go to McDonald's, I'm like, this is one of my McDonald's allowances and I don't want to blow it <laughs> by getting something I don't like. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get a cheesecake and get something and it turns out to have mushrooms in it. Like, oh, man, yeah. I'm a cheesecake factory. Should have got that thing I always get. Right. Don't take the chance at the place with the thing. If you're at the place with the thing, you get the thing. Yeah, get the thing. Especially if there's like a spiral bound menu. 90 oh. pages of shit. Just get the thing. <laughs> I do the crusted Romano chicken. Cake yeah, that's my thing. Oh, that's a good one. I like the deep fried avocado egg Egg rolls, but at that point, I should just go to McDonald's because that can't be healthy yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you just put a pipette and just inject it straight into your vena cava. Oh, yeah. Dropping some science terms on you here, Renny. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry, I'm just trying to look cool in front of my Christmas tree. That's great. You made the effort. You put up a tree. I mean, that's more than most of us. Yeah, I always feel bad for it by this time. Like, I talk to the tree. Like, I water it. And I apologize to it all the time. I know it's dead. It's a piece of wood at this point. Like, you know how when they tell the story about when people get beheaded and their eyes still My move favorite around? Yeah. yeah. I think that's Christmas trees. <laughs> I wonder if plant consciousness is a way to train humanity for alien consciousness. Because it's not going to be like humans. You saw that movie, Enemy Mine, with Lewis Gossett Jr. <laughs> yeah, aliens, they're going to speak perfect English, but they'll look fucked up, and they'll get nominated for a lot of awards. It's going to be like if bananas or succulents or an electric train set was conscious mm -hmm. and you had to sort of relate to it. And if our human colleague gets lost on their planet, we just have to fly there and find them immediately. Oh, yeah. I watched that movie a bunch. It was on, like, <laughs> HBO one summer, and I saw it, like, 15 times. It's been a long but, time. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. It's probably one of those things, like a Chuck E. Cheese, where you go in and you go, huh, I remember this being a little more impressive. <laughs> I thought it was good. It was one of those space movies where outer space was colorful instead of black. Ah. You know those? Kind of blue, not, like, the horrifying <laughs> eternal depth of space. Uh-huh. You know, this black hole is too black. How can we lighten this up? The new pictures of the black hole, you've seen them, where it looks like it has a ring around it and then that hood over it. Mm, like, I don't know if maybe. I like that one's scarier than the, uh, <laughs> the black hole from the movie The Black Hole. The nothingness. Too much Tony Perkins. <laughs> too much Borgnine. Too much Borgnine, never enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in The Black Hole. You've seen it, right? I don't think so. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is in it, and he's already kind of old. He's like a scientist on the spaceship. 
and he makes this horrible discovery and he has to <laughs> run back to tell everyone running really awkwardly. Mm-hmm. It's just a long, painful shot of Ernest Borgnine being old. He needs to alert the rest of his passengers of something important, such as Rod Stewart ingesting <laughs> too much semen. <laughs> Oh, my God, if this scientist could somehow harness the power of 11 ounces of semen in Rod Stewart's (laughs) stomach. I mean, George Michaels. Oh, I I don't know who I mean. Uh, It's one of my favorite Disney films, and it's a great science fiction thing. It's just 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in space. And uh, there's a telepathic robot that they wanted to be cute, and it never took off. uh, (laughs) And it was all Star Wars stuff, but it had great, amazing special effects. Uh, And then it had this ending that made absolutely no sense, like a 2001 ending, but it got kind of weird Christian, like the ship goes into the black hole and then it crashes in hell. And then the other ship goes through the black hole and goes to heaven somehow. And it's really weird. Let's take a look at that clip. Yeah, let's watch it in our minds. It reminds me of a similar, like, inspired thing where they went into the human body. Oh, where they shrink the ship and inject it in. Yeah, yeah. but there was another quasi-religious moment in that movie, I remember. Who snuck this into the script? There was some creationist that real quick put something in there. Like, <laughs> it's called the Linus effect, where they bring Linus in with a blanket, and he just gives you a bunch of Bible passages, and yeah. it ruins Charlie Brown's Christmas. <laughs> Linus kind of turned out like Kirk Cameron. When I was a kid, I used to suck my thumb and I thought I was Linus. I thought he was cool. But now that I'm older, too much religious stuff. Yeah, it kind of ruins the movie. It's like when you're trying to read a Dr. Bronner soap bottle on the toilet. <laughs> and then these Bible passages just ruin the pleasurable experience. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, I haven't looked at this one in a while. Oh, that's cool. Just apply to faith. Okay. <laughs> Ingredients include. Oh. And apparently something, oh, Christ, oh, the word Christ, taking me out of my soap. Topical use, only one true God? No! (laughs) I mean, if it was funny, if it was like the Church of the Subgenius (laughs) or something, somebody should make like a funny religious soap. It seems like a no-brainer. Like, it's every bottle you could get like an episode of jokes on, right? Lavender one, we do a coconut one, we do a jojoba one, we do a sandalwood one for the men. Okay, we're going to need some pitches for bad Bible verses. How about some Bible outtakes? That's on the Yalang Yalang bottle, the bad one. <laughs> the non-canonical text soaps. That's where Dr. Bronner turned mud into a sparrow. John the Baptist says, no, not yet. Hey, uh, are you staying inside? Are you going out for supplies and stuff? What's your lockdown sitch? Well, let's see. I don't do much. This yeah. time doing the right thing is a bad time, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't go out. We have Ollie, he's no. here, and you know, we all just kind of hang out and build Legos and watch TV and listen Aww. to music all day. It's very nice, but we were talking today about how we're losing track of time. Like, I thought today was Tuesday. Yeah. Sunday. Sure. It couldn't be farther from Tuesday. I can't form sentences the way I could form sentences in March. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we're all sort of losing touch socially with people and it's yeah. hurting everyone. Like my kid, I know he's getting hurt because he's not around other kids. Aww. But it's like even us, we can't go to a mall and, you know, we can't buy something from someone. Yeah. Or, yeah. I can't go to a listening booth and ask for a Duran yeah. Duran reflex 12 inch. Put it in the wrong place. Oh, so much of your livelihood, Blaine, is live. Stages, Lucha Baboom. Oh, I yeah. understand why you're talking to your Christmas tree. <laughs> so much of what you do is presenting and speaking in front of people. Well, you know, it's sort of a relief because I'm always terribly fearful 
and suffer from imposter syndrome, so I don't have to go up on stage and deal with any of that shit. I like, could not uh, tell that. Well, you know what I mean. Like, if I go on stage, you know, I have a good set for the rest of the night. Yeah. I'll be like, did I fuck up a line? So there's been the relief of not having to do shows, but there's the frustration of not having shows to do. Yeah. Like, I did a Zoom show last night, and I was so excited to finally do 10 minutes. Enjoyed it? Oh, I love doing Zoom shows. And Zoom is fun because you can fuck with the camera. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Use the space more. This is kind of a different discussion entirely, but one thing I don't miss is having to be on stage in public during 2020 when audiences are like going to a fucking rodeo. I have no problem dealing with rowdy crowds, but I'd just rather not. We're living in a weird transitional time where if you say the wrong thing on stage, half the audience will cross their arms and you'll have to deal with that. And it's like... I don't want to pull any punches, but I also don't want to have to deal with any sort of reactionary knee-jerk stuff. So it's like I find myself doing stupider, goofier stuff just to kind of Mm -hmm. stay away from it and not to broach it. And like I said, I don't want it to sound like a cop-out or anything. Other people that do do that that are so fantastic at it, it's like let them handle it. There are other (laughs) people that that know what they're talking about and know how to address this stuff in a way that doesn't come off as angry or weird or frustrated. Mm. Yeah, audiences, they act like you're a monkey and you need to dance for them. And they're kind of interactive instead of experiencing your show. They have to give you that visual feedback. Yeah, there is that thing going on. I mean, that was happening before any of the weird political, social mm-hmm. unraveling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there was the social media thing that tore down, like, the fourth and fifth and sixth walls, and now people are like, I'm on stage with you. You're talking to me. Yes. We're having a conversation. There's less of a barrier, the way you said it. Walls, they've all come down. Yeah, it's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. I mean, it's going to make a different kind of performer, but it's not making them yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like there will be a generation that grows up with an audience as one big giant conversation instead of like a one-way mirror. Mm. I mean, comedy's always been weird to me in that way that people like pay money and then agree to be quiet. That's always been weird to me. That they sit there and trust it and just relax and have fun like a movie. Mm-hmm. Comedy's bizarre when you really think about it. It's like if you look at the word bicycle too long. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you look at comedy when you're in the back of the room after like four shows on a weekend, you're like, what the fuck is going on? What am I doing? What is this? It's like a conversation where you just want to be talked at. That's how I think of watching stand-up. My brain gets to peace out. Yeah, yeah. I like comedy when it's like close-up magic. When you're sitting there and you're watching somebody (laughs) talk about something in a way that nobody else could do it. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. I love comedy. I love it so Mm -hmm. much. I don't know where I'm going with this. That's all right. Let's take a look at that clip. Okay, well... If you're pointing at screens, I want to tell you something I've always meant to tell you. You remember all the geeks on Beat the Geeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> the movie guy was Mark Hoyt, the TV guy was Paul Goebel, and the music guy was yep. Andy Zach. Okay, well, <laughs> it would be best if I told this story and didn't use their name, but oh well. Oh, do you mean... No, uh, <laughs> you mean Mike? Igor. Okay, so Igor... Okay, uh, Igor, Mike, and Jeff. <laughs> yeah. In my high school, one of the geeks was a substitute okay. teacher while the show was airing. <laughs> so there was one class where he said something to a girl and she quipped back with attitude and said something about him looking like Elvis. <laughs> she said something like, whatever, Elvis. And he said, whatever, skank. <laughs> Yeah, that's him. And he was fired. (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. He helped the school. I mean, they removed him for being inappropriate, but then we had that story, which is more important. Yeah, and he got all those TMZ bucks. <laughs> we tried to take Beat the Geeks on the road. Yeah. It was before 2000. 10, obviously, but I think we went to the NACA convention, which is the big college comedy convention, and it was in yeah. Nashville. Beverly's okay, Nashville. Yeah. Uh, we were in the Gaylord Complex, which is this silent running terrarium, <laughs> this indoor <laughs> village with like lakes and rivers and shit. And it's bizarre. The little pretty so, for yeah. a comedy show. So this was like for college acts, and we had to go and audition okay. and try to sell ourselves to different colleges because if you got on a college circuit, you would make crazy money if you were a comedian. Cool. And I guess it would be the four of us, you know, splitting money or whatever. But I remember, like, I had to write the questions because they couldn't know the answers, so it was up to me to write all the questions. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck is this? But we had a good time. I remember we went to Memphis. We did a few colleges. And holy shit, it was fun. We went to Graceland, and we had dry rub chicken barbecue, and ducks walked from the roof to their cages. Sun yeah. Studios. It's really fun. I think I'm going to go to Memphis when the shit comes down, I think. Yeah. It'll be worth the doubt. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to live on barbecue at that place that Isaac Hayes has all the headshots. <laughs> there was a diner. I think it was... No, it had to have been in Memphis or outside of Memphis called The Loveless Cafe. And everybody's oh. like, you got to go to this place, The Loveless. And they have this great ham. you got to get their ham. We got this <laughs> ham. And it was like eating a salt lick. And I'm a ham guy, Randy. I like ham. <laughs> I'm a ham guy. Yeah, but this was kind of taking me out of it a little bit. But yeah, it's weird about the Beat the Geeks thing. (laughs) But, you know, like I said, it tracks. Blaine, how's Vera doing? She's good. She's on Christmas break. She's working on a Netflix show doing animation stuff. They're going to have a year. I feel like every live Uh, action show is going to be animated. (laughs) Like, make it work. (laughs) Give me a 10-minute cutaway. Animation is one of the parts of the business that has not suffered in the pandemic. Because it's easy to do it. You can just set up computers at home. Yeah, people are getting set up with good home recording situations. But I'm actually hearing a difference with commercials. It's very subtle, but I can kind of hear when national commercials were recorded in somebody's closet. The garbage truck was going by. Maybe it's psychological because any commercial that has the same pandemic formula, like times are hard or in our changing times. (laughs) Hey, guess what? They've always been hard. (laughs) Eat at Arby's. (laughs) It's like, we're here for you. Oh, you have the vaccine? No, then shut up. You're not here for us. (laughs) We're all here. We all know what we're talking about. No, I can't count on you, Volkswagen. I will say, though, that I have a good ear for picking out production values. Like if you're watching a cartoon and you can tell Mm -hmm. when a voice was done in a different room. Right. Because there's a level of quality that we've gotten used to. I'm not crazy. You are noticing it then. Oh, Oh, yeah. You can notice it the way, like, remember when TVs, before they were flat, if you went into a place and there was a TV on, you would know if there was a TV on if you couldn't see it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, there's a tone to the production of stuff done in a studio versus something done in a computer. Yeah. The scene in Home Alone 2 would not work today because our savvy listeners would know that a kid was playing a TV. Oh, yeah. You'd hear that high pitch. Mm, We've gone past those days. We're savvy. That kid is not going to get us. (laughs) I saw Home Alone for the first time about three weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. It was just one of those movies that everyone's seen that I've just never seen. John Hughes, I remember this guy. Right. Like, all his movies now are like an episode of a show you used to watch. 
<laughs> that familiarity. I guess they have that same kind of tone. Right. right. Although I was talking about Ferris Bueller with Vera today, and that guy uh-huh. was fucking hate. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember seeing it in the theater, and everybody was like, wow, this is great. Like, Sig Sig Sputnik, and he's talking to the camera. Oh, this is fantastic. I saw it a few times in the theater. I thought it was great. And then I got older, and I'm like, what a dick. That guy is a complete ah. dick. <laughs> was Ferris Bueller and John Hughes? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. Hmm. Oh, no. I, uh, I think it was Kubrick. <laughs> 362 takes of Ferris dancing on that float. <laughs> Have you read the theory that the whole movie takes place in Cameron's head? that Ferris Bueller is just sort of like some psychotic fugue state that he goes into. Yes, I love all those theories. My favorite fan theory, I think, because it works so well, Hmm. the reason that James Bond is a different guy all the time is because James Bond is a code name. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. well, now James Bond is this guy. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Revel in it. Soak it up. (laughs) Not quite a fan theory, but something that a friend of mine believed that I wish was true was that the rapper singer Pitbull is blind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I heard uh, Lee Majors controls the World Bank, but that's not really as exciting. Oh, boy. See what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Talking about certain entities controlling the media usually turns south. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about Andy Dick's weather machine. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Have you ever given Andy Dick a ride home? No, but he has seen me do a random improv show. There's a very palpable feeling when you do a show for hardly anybody, but then it's a contrasting feeling to have just Andy Dick watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hey, there's nobody here, but there's a guy in the back going, take it off! Yeah, exactly. He's like a Hollywood merit badge. You've got to have some sort of Andy Dick asking you for a ride home story. Yeah, in the first year of making a Facebook page, people were making groups, and I said, Andy Dick stories. I made a group. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has one. I have dozens of Andy Dick stories. I love Andy Dick. You remember Web Soup? It was on G4. And one of the producers was telling me that he was at a friend's house in the valley somewhere, like Thousand Oaks or something bunch of friends, people not in show business, and they're sitting Mm -hmm. there and they're playing cards, and the patio door slides open and Andy Dick walks in. Hey, what's happening, you guys? He sits down and they deal him in and he plays cards for a while and then he leaves. He just walks out the door and then after he's gone, everybody looked at each other and was like, do you know him? I don't know him. I didn't know him. (laughs) He had just been walking through yards. Oh, hey, I'll play poker with these guys. I love Andy. I would like mm-hmm. him to get his shit together. I hope it's together right All now. Right. If he was wandering through people's lawns, you know how a lot of towns have a local myth, like some kind of creature? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Van Nuys <laughs> Andy Dick. Is he like the Appalachian Andy Dick? I think the Appalachian yes. Andy Dick has a high collar. <laughs> it's uh, in red when they read maturity. <laughs> the frilled dick, I believe. <laughs> I wrote on the Martin Short show, and we did a sketch where Martin Short was Janine Garofalo, and he was in these weird prosthetics. Uh Mary Shear played Kathy Griffin, and I played Andy Dick. We were like alternative comics. Oh, my God. I'm just flashing on stuff, Ronnie. I'm just so excited to talk to somebody. I'm Uh, really hung up on what the hell would qualify as a prosthetic to be Janine Garofalo. What? Jean Shorts? (laughs) They put, like, these sort of Julia Louis-Dreyfus cheeks on him, I think, and a little nose. They pulled it off. It was very subtle, I thought. It sounds like eraser head level grotesque, in my mind. <laughs> we used to go to the farmer's market before it was the Grove, and we would try to do hidden camera stuff with Martin Short, like where he would play this 
brain damaged guy that he did, or he'd do some other character oh. or something. But people would come up and go, holy shit, it's Martin Short. So he got the fat suit and he started doing the Joni Glitzing and nobody was really quite sure who he was. Are you working on anything now? Writing gigs? Uh, no, I'm milking rattlesnakes to get some special anti-venom. It's kind of a freelance thing I'm working on. You should contact Andy Dick. I heard he found snakes. <laughs> He's good at sucking poison out of things. Clearly. <laughs> That's how I saw Andy Dick was at King King. Yeah. It's that burlesque place. Oh, I think it was Mortified. You remember that show, Mortified? Oh, yeah. Where people go up and they would just read from their diaries when they were teenagers. Barbara and Vera did it. Yeah, and then they both read diary entries about the same guy that they were dating. Crazy. I'm mostly shocked they didn't burn it like all of us. Somebody said something to me like, hey, do you want to do Mortified? I'm like, nope. (laughs) Apparently, you give them something of yours and they pick out what they want you to read. No, never. This is torture. Maybe Forklifter from Mad TV, my Knight Rider parody with a forklift. Maybe that. (laughs) But we went to see Mortified at King King, and then everybody was leaving, and I look at the bar, and there's Andy Dick, and he needs a ride home. So I gave him a ride back to his place. He lived back by I.O. West. Oh, that's where he was the sole viewer of one of our late night shows. Oh, okay. He could just step outside and land yeah. home. <laughs> Happy New Year, Andy Dick. His real name is Andrew Richard. Did you know that? Ooh, he looks more like Hollywood an Andrew. <laughs> Another fitting name. Richard, what are you up to tonight? Sorry. Oh, real hot night cleaning my fish tanks. I'm going to be up to my elbows. <laughs> yeah, you know. Do you have bettas or do you have <laughs> tropical fish? I have a betta in a 20-gallon tank with a lot of other fish that he doesn't pick on. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got better things to do. I have three tanks now. Do you have salt water tanks? <laughs> I can barely maintain my own environment. The thought of maintaining <laughs> a salt water environment, one of us is going to die. Yeah. I cannot be responsible for another ecosystem. Regular water, I can handle. <laughs> you know what I got that really helps? I got it for the bedroom. It's one of those treasure chests, and it opens every couple of seconds, and a bubble comes out. And I plugged it in next to the bed, and it's really soothing at night. It's kind of a white noise thing. And we have a scuba diver that floats next to him. We sleep like rocks. You know, you haven't confirmed if it's in an aquarium. Oh, yeah, they're huge. They're like life-size. <laughs> it's a great idea. We should have tank decorations for our own aquariums that we're stuck in. <laughs> I would love to sleep <laughs> in a big castle. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yes. I had a betta mm-hmm. named Leaf. Because you get the little suction cup leaf. I've graduated to real plants because I realized once they get the real stuff, they're hooked and they don't like the plastic okay. anymore. <laughs> but I've had <laughs> the generic leaf. I know what you're talking about. I've had that. Oh, okay. I had one of those little castles for him. Mm-hmm. And then one day I couldn't find him. And I oh. thought he might have jumped out. Yeah. I looked around and I looked behind where he was. I couldn't find him. I was like, what the fuck? Next day, the water was cloudy, and I looked in the castle, and he had gotten trapped in the (gasps) castle and and suffocated. I felt terrible. I'll never get one of those things again. I guess it was sort of hollow up inside, and he got trapped. I had a little tiny fish get trapped in the button on my filter. There's a little gap. I went to change the water pressure, and there was a face sticking out of it. No! Uh, this is truly how those people on hoarders are about to die when you see them trapped in their home. <laughs> they're cutting their filter. <laughs>
Yeah, so they're filters or, you know, piles of TV guides. Yeah, Michael McKean and Better Call Saul. Yes, their little face is going to get <laughs> crushed between Joni Loves Chachi TV guides and Sears catalog. It would, it would be like if I died in a miniature golf castle. How did he get stuck in there? What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> when my fish does it, it's cute. But when I do it, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I get it. All right, Aww. sure, whatever. I pray that we don't have hilarious deaths. May our deaths be sad. Yeah, I don't want to have a heart <laughs> attack on stage. I don't do a heart attack bit. If you see me having a heart attack, call the police. And then an ambulance. <laughs> And then have my stomach pumped. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, there's a lot of loads. (laughs) It is. It's like a pound of loads. Come on, Rod, back off. (laughs) I hope you get on a real stage this year. I miss seeing you. Oh, yeah. You too, Renny. Always good to hear your voice. Love to the family. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Blaine. (laughs) Today's episode was brought to you by Jeff with a G, too much Borgnine, and a lot of loads. Please stay on the line for our next episode with Malcolm J. (laughs) 